Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs We are at the interview part of the show and today uh, we have a special guest that um, has uh, written a book that caught my fancy and the book is called Murder and Mayhem and it's an annotated bibliography of gay and queer males in America, or in, in mystery, 1908 to 2018, and the author is Matt Lubbers-Moore. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. So, let's first of all, uh, it's the first time you've been on the show, so uh, let's talk about who you are um, and how you got... Uh, into this uh, uh, writing of a book like this. Um, so w- what's kind of your history here? Uh, well, I've always been kind of um, a huge fan of mysteries, uh, you know, going back to Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and Boxcar Children. Um, and as I got older, uh, the books really didn't appeal to me much. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, as a gay man, um, I didn't relate to the characters as much as I, uh, you know, did as I was younger. Um, so I started to try, you know, I started finding books that actually had gay detectives and uh, gay characters and mysteries, and those books started to appeal to me a lot more. Uh, and so as I really delved into reading them and then, you know, of course, collecting them, um, I started to create a database of them, and I'm also a uh, co-moderator of a Facebook group uh, that's all about gay mysteries and suspenses and horrors, thrillers, and we uh, were 
uh, interviewing a uh, another bibliographer who is much more uh, uh, esteemed than I am, uh, uh, who passed away not too long ago, um, uh, uh, Drew Wayne Gunn. Um, and he had mentioned that, you know, with today's technology, you know, it'd be so easy to create a database, you know, that's open to anyone, that's available to everyone. And so I thought, well, I already kind of started a database, so I might as well just start finishing the day. You know, I might as well keep working on the database. So that's how I got started on the bibliography. Wow. That's uh so you must have an interest in in a lot of history and stuff. Um, so we're, we're, what made you? Uh, what do I? It's not the right way. Where you began? Uh, in what year of of going back and putting together these stories? So and and how did you determine where you were going to go back to? Well, I started really doing it in 2014. Uh, compiling the databases after the interview with uh, Drew Wayne God, and um, I. So what I did was I I used his his uh, bibliography. I used um, another a uh, couple of bibliographies that I found about gay detectives, and I went back as far as I could go. And uh, 1909 was the earliest I could find a gay character in a mystery and it was by um arthur conan doyle who of course wrote sherlock holmes uh the short story is not one of the sherlock holmes stories although a a london detective is mentioned but is not named uh but it's the short story and of course the short story you know is published in 1909 uh it's called the man with the watches and the great thing is that it's uh, there's no copyright on it any longer because it's uh, so old. So I was actually able to include it in the in the uh, bibliography at the very end. Hmm. So what do, what are you hoping for um, when you when you take on a book like this? This is a lot of work and uh, big project. Um, what are you hoping people get out of it? So I ho- so hopefully I sell one copy. That's all I really hope. <laughs> There's ambition for you. Completely justified if I saw one copy. I, I've actually sold quite a few copies, uh, so I, I feel very justified in, uh, in writing it. Um, but, I mean, the, the main thing for the book is, you know, so many uh, resources can use it. Um, it's not just, you know, I mean, it's a collection of titles and authors and, uh, things and you know, if someone like me who's a collector, you know, I can use it to um, ex- to finish my collection to really get it even more in depth. Or, you know, I include a uh, um, a uh, uh, um, a rating in the book. You know, uh, one through three uh, for how involved a gay character is in the book and if it's a three of a three out of three there's the detective is is gay you know if it's a two you know the the main character is not gay but their best friend is who helps them solve the mystery or uh is very involved in the crime and a one out of three just means that um there was a gay person somewhere in the book 
uh, either positively or negatively. Uh, and so, so what some people can do if you're a collector like me, you can say, well, I only want to collect books in which the get- detective is gay. And so you only collect the books that are three out of threes. Or you go, well, I, I, or you're like me, and you go, I need to collect everything. And so you have to buy every single book in the, in, in, that I list. Um, but other than collectors, you know, libraries can use it because, you know, if they want to fill in uh, their collections uh, or if they have uh, members of their uh, student body or uh, faculty that would like it. Uh, they're able to uh, be able to use it. Um, I know um, there's a couple bookstores that have bought the book um, to help them with their uh, listing of books. They're more uh, upscale, rare, antiquarian bookstores, uh, and it helps them uh, know, uh, with their listings and things. But I mean, it's real. And even for I, um, I was talking to a, someone on Facebook, and they bought it because they love books and they like gay characters and they thought, well, you know, I'll just be able to read through it and see if there's any books that I want to buy out of it. So it really is available to anyone uh, that wants to know more about um, kind of the, you know, gay people and detective stories. But the other cool thing about writing this book, and I didn't even think about it until I was kind of in the middle of it was that you know it's from 1909 to 2018 and you can kind of almost see the history of the acceptance of gay people um in the world uh through the detective story uh unfortunately you know the the, uh, uh arthur conan doyle his short story was actually very positive um the gay men the gay men in the short story are criminals but he represents the love that they have for each other as a very positive and welcoming and open thing, which I was not expecting. I was kind of expecting like it was going to be like horrible and he was going to trash them and really depict, you know, uh, homosexuals as deviants and perverts. Um, but you can kind of almost see, you know, like Agatha Christie's men, you know, in the book and she, you know, and her, the gay character she uses, you know, they're the quiet neighbor down the street, you know, um, or some other authors might use a gay character who lives upstairs. They're the, they're the quiet studious. Uh, they own an antique store, um, or they're a barber or, you know, there's some sort of gay cliche. Um, but slowly, um, as you get into the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, um, all of a sudden there's gay detectives and they're the main characters and they're not a stereotype and they're and they're positive and you know that slowly moves into you know the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s where you know gay characters are everywhere and they are in every profession and they aren't just relegated to just you know you know one one archetype uh, in the detective world. So I, I, so I like it because you can also not only read it to see what books you might like, but you can also read it as a history story of how of the acceptance of gay people in America. 
Matt, I think this is amazing. I think it's so difficult for any person, regardless of your sexuality or preferences, it makes no difference. It's already hard enough in today's day and age to go out there and find something that you are absolutely affiliated to on the shelf because we live in this, this virtual, this uh, electronic world. So to, to walk in and find something that you really enjoy reading is, is difficult enough. Yeah. Let, let alone when you can't actually relate to the characters. And I see that in, not only in, in sexual preference or gender identity, but also in, in disability, for example. If you, if you can't relate to the people that are in the book in the same way, then the book becomes meaningless. So, you know, a brilliant way of bringing everything together and, and adding that review to it and helping people to, to make their own informed decisions about what they might be more interested in in terms of reading. Have you, um, in terms of, you know, the, just the sheer volume of text out there to research and put into your book must have been incredible. How did you, how did you filter it down and decide what you wanted to put in your book? You know, that was very, very difficult because there's so much. Um, and, you know, when I was using the, the bibliography from uh, Drury Wayne Gunn, he only used books that had gay detectives. Um, and they had to be public, they had to be in print, um, they had to be available for purchase and things like that. Um, I. I had a really hard time um, because I didn't want to exclude anything. Um, so the most obscure thing, you know, there's a couple books in here that I put, you know, I, um, at the end of each uh, blurb, I, I put sometimes I'll add something about the book on my own and I'll say, this book is no longer available. I can't find it anywhere. It's, it was an ebook. It's no longer available. Um, and the thing about that is, you know, like authors can bring things out, they can take things away, you know, with the electronic world as it is with eBooks, um, they're here one day and gone the next, or they can be heavily edited easily. Um, and so a lot of authors, you know, I, I was talking to Otto Penzler who runs mysterious books, uh, shop in New York. Uh, who wrote? Who has written a ton of bibliographies as well about different things, and he's not doing bibliographies anymore because he's like, you know, there's so many ebooks out there that aren't being put out in print. So how do you account for them? Um, so I kind of have my own system of doing it. I put them in there and I make sure I state that they are an ebook only, um, so that people, if they're looking for it. Um, they may not be able to find it, you know, because it might not be available anymore. Um, or um, the blurb that I include in the book, the book might have changed drastically by the time they actually get the book. Uh, but I didn't want to exclude anything. Um, so I included as many ebooks as I could find. I included as many. Um, weird off-the-cuff things that I had a hard time categorizing you know it it kind of was a mystery but I can't but I'm not 100% sure it was a mystery but I don't want to exclude it because 
there might be someone out there that does want to find that book. And mm. um, so, yeah, so it was very difficult in that. Um, the other hard part is there is so many mystery novels out there. I mean, books are being published. Millions of books are being out, you know, being published, you know, all the time. And mm. uh, so it's really difficult to read them all. Um, so I have a great support team. Uh, uh, there's a librarian down in uh, Australia, Graham Cheater, who was a, an incredible help to me. Uh, there's a guy in Finland named Pekka. Um, he found hundreds of books for me, just um, expedited the uh, time I could actually publish this by probably years. Um, because he just delved into Twitter and into publishers' uh, websites and just found tons of others. Now, the thing was, the minute I published it, um, of course, then I found hundreds more. Mm. Um, you know, Louise Penny um, is not in the book, and yet in every single one of her books, there's a gay, there's a gay couple. Um, so I completely missed her. So, you know, I'm having to go back through and... Uh, re-edit and come up with um, you know a new edition that'll probably come out in four or five years uh, so yeah I didn't want to exclude anything you know it's that's why I also did gay and queer males because I didn't want to leave out like transgender uh, mm. I didn't want to leave out bisexual men you know because we're already such a fragmented world I didn't want to exclude even more no, absolutely. And how do you, um, so going forward, just thinking this through, now we're able to identify with with many different um, um, forms of gender identity. So more over 100 different gender identities out there. So how, how do you propose to do that going forward? Is that something you've considered? Is it, does it overcomplicate something that doesn't need to be overcomplicated? <laughs> Uh, what I figure is going forward is that however the author describes the character is how I'll describe the character in the book. Yeah. Because it is, we're just developing all the time, aren't we? And we're becoming more understanding and accepting of how we feel as an individual and individualizing everything, which is which is brilliant. And it's absolutely how it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, to to bring that into your bibliography would be, a real challenge so it's good yeah. to hear that you've got this and sort of kind of already thinking about what your second edition might look like yeah, so just you know, just can i ask you something a little bit personal matt if you don't mind it's not too personal actually but um but it's just um you you referenced earlier you were talking about how um you suddenly realized that you weren't relating to characters in books the same way as you used to as a child so what what sort of age did you really start to understand your own sexuality and, and think that that's not that's not what I, where I want to be? I don't want to be brought up and 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 enveloped with this one stereotype of who I should be, and actually that's not who I am. Well, I was uh, very fortunate as a young man. Uh, my my um, my parents were I can't say liberal. I mean my you know but. Um, they were more free thinking and more open. Um, so I, I came to realize that I was different from my peers about nine years old. Um, I came out to myself, you know, as as gay when I was twelve. 
I came out to friends when I was about, you know, I came out to friends and family about 16. Um, and then uh, I had a brief homophobic uh, friend reaction when I was 17-ish, mm-hmm. um, which pushed me slightly back into the closet. And so I dated a, a, a woman um, who ended up becoming a really good friend. Um, but on my 18th, or on my 19th birthday, um, I fully embraced uh, my being gay, and uh, I have not looked back since. Um, but I was very fortunate um, that, you know, when I came out to my parents, you know, they, you know, my, my mom said, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, I love you no matter what. Um, you know, I, when my dad found out, you know, which was pretty much the same night, but then, you know, he talked to me later about it. You know, he said the same thing, yeah. you know, so I was very fortunate as a young man, you know, not, I, and I know not a lot of people have the kind of you know, experiences that I did. It's, a, it's horrifying, isn't it? The stories that you hear about young people who are so scared of losing something. A, a friend of mine's son came out to me um, and, um, and I said, well, why are, you, why are you talking to me about this? And he said, I'm really worried. He said that, that um, my parents may not respond in the way that I, I want them to. And I said, you know, I, I've known your parents a very long time and they already know. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, and he, he smiled and he laughed and then he obviously went and had the conversation and I kind of pre-warned them I said there's a conversation coming your way that you already know about yes. and, um, and and I said he, he just needs he just needs your love right now and, uh, and they were brilliant absolutely brilliant as I knew they would be but that right. innate fear as a teen when you're already going through so many hormonal changes and you've you've kind of battled with with all of those feelings and, and come through it and made your kind of your decisions and then for somebody to reject you for that is just you know it's, it's unthinkable and yet it happens so often yes unfortunately it happens too often absolutely yeah absolutely and um you know i work with young people and i, and I see that a lot and it's just it's incredibly sad and my own my own son actually identifies transgender and uh i'm it was i will share this with everybody on the radio i'm sure he won't mind it was very funny and he <laughs> said um we were in a van and we'd, we'd been traveling for some time and uh, delivering furniture, actually. And he said, he said, oh, I've got something to say. <laughs> and I said, OK, it's about 11 o'clock at night. It was, I was very tired. He said, I've got something to say. I said, OK. And he said, I might be gay. I said, all right, OK, is there anything else? <laughs> he said, oh, OK, is that OK? I said, it really doesn't make any difference to me. He said, oh, I need to say something else. I said, okay, I might be trans. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, is is anything else? He went, no, no, I think we're done. (laughs) (laughs) And it was it was as simple as that. And um, and you know, I I just I can't imagine how that would have felt to him had I have had said or reacted in any other way. You know, he you total for me, he is who he is. Mm-hmm. And um, and when he wants to be who she is, then he will make that that decision and and that that change. And I think it's fantastic that he has the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, you know, so I think it's it's a fantastic opportunity for when people are really struggling and they're trying to understand how to relate to people, to know where to go to read something that is not educational particularly, but it will 
it helps them to identify with different people and um, how people feel about things and how people respond to situations is it, got to be a good thing from an education point of view in terms of sexuality as well as the historical um, you know, uh, uh, evolution of human rights. Does oh, that yeah. make sense? Oh, yeah, I completely agree, yes. I think it's um so so your your book too you're thinking of doing in a few years time when you've got obviously further texts um to put in that so from 2018 to a um you know 2023 kind of range mm -hmm. where are you where are you now in that well um <laughs> unfortunately um last uh, in March I had acute pancreatitis um. So I have been um, pretty much bedridden for the last two months. Um, so I have, so right now I have an incredibly amount of time on my hands because um, all of my jobs, I, I work at a library, I work at a bookstore, I work at a comic book store. Um, all three of them are closed by the state of Michigan. Um, and so I have all this time on my hand to work on, on this on the book and that's what I planned on and then all of a sudden I had I got uh, pancreatitis and I was bedridden so um, sitting for any amounts of time is incredibly painful for me right now mm. so unfortunately um, I have not gotten as far as I would like to have gotten at this point um, I keep getting emails and messages from uh, my uh, my uh, the people who have been helping me so at least I have something to fall back on uh, when I start to include them again. Um, and I, um, you know, like anything I missed. So like the Louise Penny books, uh, there she's already, you know, I already, I already have them in the database. So once I get uh, putting the uh, books from the database into the annotated bibliography, um, you know, I'll, I will be that much further ahead um but unfortunately um this year has not been uh very fruitful as much as i would have liked to have been sad. I, I was going to ask in this book here is there a story or two that um um really had a, an effect on you that, that stays with you uh now to this day that you hadn't been aware of before the the greatest, in my opinion, uh, book written in the gay mystery genre is uh, it's called Fade Out by uh, Joseph Hansen. And he's kind of seen as the, I have my, you know, there's always the fathers of this and that. Um, I have my own hierarchy for, um, for the uh, gay mysteries genre, um, I consider him to be the, the grandfather, the godfather, essentially, of gay mysteries. Without him, who knows how long it would have taken for gay mysteries to really take. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Golf. Um, but Fade Out is an incredibly beautiful book. Um, the main character, he's, I mean, in today's world, he probably would not be very, the book, he would be viewed kind of as a toxic masculinity uh, character. Uh, you know, he didn't like effeminate gay men. You know, he, um, you know, he was very rough and tumble and he didn't speak much and he smoked 10 packs a day and, you know, and this book was published in 1970. Uh, but, you know, he just lost his lover, who was actually a very effeminate gay man, who was a, um, uh, interior designer. And the main character, uh, is finally up after being bedridden for six months, uh, because he just couldn't imagine life without his, his lover. And it's, there's, I, I think it's like the third or fourth chapter in where he starts kind of thinking about how he met him. And and there's this wonder, and it's so beautiful about how they met and how, you know, they they made their lives together. And it was such a beautiful story, you know, in the middle of a detective story. Uh the main character's name is Dave Brandstetter, and he works for an insurance company as a murder, inv- uh, as a death claims investigator. Um, you know, but without Joseph Hansen, you know, it, who knows how long it might have taken for authors like Michael Nava and Richard Stevenson or uh, John Morgan Wilson to really um, come out and shine um, or even be published by mainstream uh, publishers. Um, up to Joseph Hansen, there was no mainstream publishers publishing, you know, gay detectives. Uh, you had um, George Baxt, who published um, the Feral Love books, 
but they were seen more as campy and pulp. Um, so when you got to Joseph Hansen, all of a sudden it was okay for mainstream publishers to publish gay authors publishing about gay main characters who aren't stereotypes and who don't uh, always die and you know in the at the end do you, do, you, do you see that as a problem still today with with um, gay stories or, or, or you know books or anything like that being published today with mainstream publishers or is it more acceptable well unfortunately in the 90s uh, publishers got very afraid um, they saw um, the Defense of Marriage Act, um, the Don't Ask, Don't Tell, um, you know, Ver Vermont and Hawaii were trying to push, you know, gay marriage, and uh, the people of their states were very opposed. And so all of a sudden, you see these mainstream public, you know, they're very conservative, you know, they're they're looking at their their pocketbooks, and they don't want anything to affect you know, their profit margins, you know, heaven forbid. Um, so all of a sudden in the 90s, they saw all of this backlash against gay culture and gay people. And they went, no, we can't publish gay authors anymore. And all of a sudden you had, you know, Richard Stevenson um, and um, all these other authors who really had a successful runs with their books, you know, 10, you know, 15 mysteries with these mainstream publishers, and they did fairly well, who all of a sudden went, yeah, we're not renewing your contract. There's no market for it. You know, even though there had been a market all this time, and there still would have been if they would have kept publishing. Um, and I think it's been very hard for gay authors uh, to publish with mainstream publishers. But I'm hopeful, but I know a lot of gay authors I talk to are not. Um, you know, you have James Patterson, who published um, a, a, gay, a gay detective. You had Anne Cleves, who, who just won, uh, oh, I want to say an Edgar, but I think it might have been a, an Agatha Christie Award um, for her book, which had a gay detective. Um, so you're starting to see straight authors publish uh, detective stories with gay main characters. Um, so I'm hopeful that eventually mainstream publishers will say, oh, well, these straight authors are having su such a success. Let's see how, a, you know, maybe gay authors will do. But, you know, again, with... Um, you know, there's so many small independent publishers. Um, there's self-publishing, which is so easy. You know, on you know Amazon, you know you you write something, you can put it out on Amazon. You, you know, no no fuss, no no biz, no need for editors or anything like that. Um, but you have some great authors out there who are self-publishing their books because they don't have any access to the the publishing world. I mean, Marshall Thornton. Um, has won three uh, Lambda Awards for Best Gay Mysteries, he self-publishes. Um, you know, so you're seeing that a lot more um, where, you know, are the mainstream publishers really that necessary for gay, for gay authors? But again, you know, you're missing 
the promotion, you're missing the support of all this. Um, so it can be, you know, there's pros and cons, you know, of getting um, mainstream publishers to publish your books. You know, are they really necessary or not and stuff. Um, yeah. I'm hoping, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that eventually mainstream publishers will start to publish gay authors again. But at this point, they're just not. And it does make a difference, you know, because they uh, get printed and put in bookstores and they get on a front shelf when someone walks mm-hmm. in and they see it. That's kind of the, the, the advantage of it. Um, yes. You know, uh, is this sort of why you you are doing um, re, what, requeered um, tales, original publications? So are you you're kind of starting publishing yourself as well? Well, we don't do original publications. Um we only do reprints. Uh, re- we only republish uh, books. Um, what we do is at Requeer Tales is we find uh, authors and titles that we think have histor- historical merit. Uh, and we think these books should never have gone out of print in the first place and they should be brought back out. And it's the same thing with my book about, you know, you can trace the his- history of, you know, gay characters, you know, and g- uh, gay people in American life through these through literature. And, you know, and when you read, you know, like a book by Grant Michaels, who, you know, he was a stereotypical hairstylist who was a detect who, you know, went off and did all these and did all this detective work and solve crimes. And and, you know, he. But he also worked very close, but he was also butch. You know, he, he, you know, I don't recall any fist fights he would get into, but he stood up to killers. You know, he stood up to people and said, you know, this is who I am. And, you know, he was publishing, you know, in the 80s and uh, early 90s. And, you know, that's, you know, for a character like that, you know, to be around is just amazing. Um, You know, and... but the also the other thing, uh, Neil Plaxy uh, and I were talking about this, and I think he actually wrote it in one of the uh, introductions to one of his books, was that this was kind of the first uh, character to work with the police department. Um, you know, he was a stereotypical gay man who actually got along and worked with the police department in a time where police departments did not want to work with gay people, you know, especially, you know, in that kind of a close capacity, you know, or even to, or even to, uh, assume to let them do their job. Um, but no, so like, um, our, the first book that we published was a horror novel called steam, uh, by JB laws. And, you know, he won, you know, he won, uh, he was an unpublished author um, and Allison Press uh, and um, a bookstore in, in San Francisco, I can't remember which one, had a competition um, for the best new author. Uh, and so what they would do is, it, you know, the, the employees of this bookstore would read all the manuscripts, and whoever had the best manuscript would then be published by Allison Press. And Steam is amazing i mean it was being referred to as you know he uh jb laws was being referred to as the gay stephen king um you know the the book 
I mean, I can't read horror novels because of my overactive imagination, you know, but of course I had to read it to, you know, make sure that, you know, it was edited and proofread and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so I read it and I couldn't even go into my bathroom at night for like two weeks because it was so terrifying. Um, you know, and he died, you know, a couple, you know, just a couple years after the book came out and just before his second book came out. And, you know, we lost so many voices to AIDS. Um, you know, so many young people that they really had so much talent and so much promise. And then we lost them, you know, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about authors, but artists and musicians and, you know, just, you know, it's, it's, I, I just think of like how rich our world would really be right now if all those young men had not died. And, you know, so for us, it's not just, you know, going, ooh, these are really good books and people should still be reading them. But it's also to say, hey, read these books. These voices still deserve to be heard. And, you know, and... Uh, and so many of these authors are just so brilliant, and they are so wonderfully, the books are just so wonderfully written. And we really do want people to reread them, because they are, you know, either reread them or read them for the first time, because they really are amazing. And, yeah, you know, they're from the you know 80s and 90s, and they might be a bit dated. You know, there's no cell phones or laptops, and there's a lot of running around, you know, and having to solve crimes, you know, the old-fashioned way. You know, where you actually had to talk to a person in person. But, you know, they're so good, and they deserve to be read. And so at Requeer Tales, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to revive, we're trying to preserve the LGBT literary heritage, because it's just being lost. Hmm. So wh what what's next for Matt? Where, where do you go from here? You know, I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the conversation killer right there. I don't know. Sorry. Well done, Matt. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep working, you know, on um, my Murder and Mayhem and uh, hopefully come out. You know, it came out a few days before um, Leap Year. Or, you know, it came out in February of... Um, of you know of leap year and so I thought well you know it'd be kind of fun to come out every four years on leap year um, so that means that I have a lot of work ahead of me and um, so I'm hoping of getting that of keeping that of keeping of uh, doing that and keeping up with it um, and then requeer tales um, you know we've got so many great authors and so many great books um, you know and People can check them out at requeertales.com. I would say, I would mention going to our Facebook page, but I'm the one that updates it. And having been sick, I have not been updating it as much as I should have. Um, but no, our, um, my two partners, Justine and Alexander, are brilliant. Um, you know, they've been working, you know, really hard. You know, it, this whole COVID-19 thing has been just uh you know, really put put us behind, but we've got you know a couple big books coming out. Um, John Mor uh, John Morgan Wilson, he's the first gay man uh, to write a 
gay main character as as his detective to win an Edgar Award. Um, we've got him coming out, and uh, we're going to be republishing his first book in September. Um, and I and I know I mentioned that um, we don't do original um, uh, titles, but uh, there's a couple uh, authors that published books that were never published. So they, I'm sorry, they wrote books that were never published as part of their series and um, we're working on uh, bringing those out as well. So uh, we're working, um, we, we've got a lot of balls in the air, we got a lot of stuff going on and it's really exciting times at Requeer Tales. Um, so Matt, you know, uh, I'm also working on my master's degree in history. I have a master's degree in library sciences, which is probably why I'm obsessed with bibliographies. Um, but no, I, we've got so much stuff going forward. Um, I've got tons of stuff on my plate. So it's going to be a very busy time, and I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, it sounds like it. Lots of balls flying around in the air. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's fantastic. Um, so uh, what other contact information do you have? So the book can be found in uh, Amazon, uh, anywhere else, or do you have a website for yourself? I do not have a website for myself. Um, the book can be found anywhere. Uh, Kobo, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon. Book, uh, you can request it from your local bookstores. Uh, so it can be found anywhere. Um, um, and then for myself, I mean, if the great, you know, if people for re either for Requeer Tales or for myself, you know, if people want to get a hold of me with ideas, um, or if, or if they have the book and they found that I didn't include an author or I missed a title or something like that, I would love for people to get a hold of me and say, "Hey, you missed this title," because then I can include it. And I, you know, I want to be as inclusive as I can, um, and I want to include as much as I can. So, uh, if people want to email me, they can email me at Matt Jean Moore at uh, gmail.com that's m-a-t-t-g-e-n-e-m-o-o-r-e -T -T -E -E, uh, at gmail.com um, or they can get a hold of me through requeertales.com uh, there's a contact uh, page on there or it's requeertales at gmail.com um, and so if people also have ideas of authors or titles that shouldn't be out of print um, that they would love for us to maybe look into you know We've got 2020 and 2021 pretty well booked solid, but you know we're really you know we're starting to fill up 2022, and we would love to hear from people if they have ideas for other titles or authors that are out of print uh, that they think have literary merit for the gay community for the LGBT commu community. Um, that we should look into because we're always looking for ideas. We're always looking for authors. We're always looking for titles. Is it, is it a real hard process for you to get the um, out-of-print books and then um, get them reprinted? Like, how, What kind of a process is that? Sometimes it's super, super easy where we just contact the author and say, hey, do you want us to reprint your books? And they say yes. Um, they're literally just send me the contract we send them the contract and they sign it and they send it right back to us. It's fantastic. Um, other times it's, you know, when the author is deceased, 
Um, it's uh, tracking down the estate. Um, the, a really good example is uh, I can either do JB Laws or I can do uh, Grant Michaels. Um, I'll do Grant Michaels this time. So um, with Grant Michaels, uh, we only had an uh, a physical address for a lawyer in New Jersey <laughs> um, who who knew who had the estate. Um, so I I wrote her a physical letter. Um, asking her to put us in touch with uh, Grant Michael's mother, who we believed had the rights to his books. Well, um, so I got an email from Grant Michael's brother, who informed us that Grant Michael's, who informed me that their mother had passed away shortly after Grant Michael's did, um, and that he was. The estate, the estate holder now. So we worked with him for about um, about a month or two um, over the con- over the wording of the contract and getting everything prepared. Um, and then the only thing that we require of um, of estate holders is that they prove somehow is that. They sign an affidavit saying that they are the estate holders and that if it turns out that they are not, that we're not liable for damages or for copyright infringement. Um, so he kind of freaked out a little bit when he had to sign this. Um, and so he went back to his lawyer and it turns out he didn't have the rights to the books. Uh, it turns out that Grant Michaels had left at, had left the rights to the books to a friend of his. So um, we so then the brother ended up putting us in touch with the friend, um, and so we so then we went through this whole process again of going over the contract and getting everything, all of the p's and q's, and crossing the i's and t's, and getting all that stuff done. Um, and when he needed to sign the paperwork saying that, you know, he was the estate holder, he freaked a little bit, too, um, and confessed that he had donated everything to uh, a library uh, in Boston. And so we had to contact the, the library in Boston and ask them, and they're like, no, we don't have the rights, we just have the papers. Um, so we went back, and we're like, oh, no, you still have the rights to the pay. you know, you still have the rights to the books, they just have the papers. But he wanted, like, he wanted them to, like, actually, like, write out, like, we do not have the rights to the paper, you know, he wanted them to sign what we wanted him to sign. Um, so eventually, you know, uh, the library did that. He did. He signed, and so now uh, I think we just came out with the third Grant Michaels um, Stan Krejcik books, um, third or fourth. So um, we're really happy with uh, with that. But yeah, sometimes um, tracking sometimes tracking down who has the um, the rights can be uh, uh, bothersome. Uh, it can take some time. And then there's some authors that we've reached out to 
they don't want their books back in print, you know, and there's nothing we can say or do, you know, you know, I'm from Michigan. Uh, we, you know, I, uh, we always joke that I have Michi- that I'm Michigan nice. Um, and that I can, you know, like sweet talk my way. And, and sometimes the authors just don't, you know, really want to, um, they don't want their books back in print. And, you know, uh, Alexander's in Canada, so we always joke that he's even nicer than Michigan nice. Um, so, you know, he, um, you know, he goes after authors sometimes, and you know, unfortunately, they just don't want their books back in print. They just either aren't happy with the with how they turned out, or they just felt like it was part of their life that's over now, and they just don't want to deal with it. Um, you know, and I feel, you know. And it, it, sad. Yeah, it makes me kind of sad when I think, oh, but they're so good. And some of these authors that don't want their books back in print, they're, they're Lambda award-winning authors. You know, some of them have won awards for their books, and they're like, no, we just didn't feel they were any good, or no, we just, you know, that was part of my past, and I don't want it out there. And I'm like, but but the literary heritage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that is sad. Do you think maybe yeah. they had a real bad time during their publishing of it, or when well, it came out? Maybe it was kind of a bad, bad time for them, or backlash on it. Well, you know, I was just you know, say, you know, and some of these authors did have you know homophobic reactions, and you know, some of them you know might not have been out when the books came out. Um, you know, I know like uh, Richard Stevenson. You know, his real name is. Um, uh, Richard uh, Leipis, I think is how you pronounce his last name. But he had to, he was a teacher at an element at a at a school, and he had two young children, and was married when he started publishing his first gay novels. And so he changed his uh, author name to Richard Stevenson because he didn't want you know his uh, kids to be picked on, or you know you know because they're the children of that gay author. You know, so, you know, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of lesbian authors that we've reached out to, you know, they've all written, a lot of them have written under pseudonyms, you know, because they were married at the time and, you know, they didn't want, you know, their husbands knowing they were publishing lesbian mystery novels. And so, yeah, you know, I think at that, you know, so now, of course, now that they're older and, you know, they've, you know, either come out or whatever, you know they see that as not a great time in their lives. So I, I don't fault them. You know, I don't, I don't say, Oh, you, you need to publish these books anyways. You know, who cares about your, your, you know, your past, you know, but you know, I, I completely understand where they're coming from. And yeah. Oh yeah. Well, um, it's been a great conversation. And, um, so we will have your, um, book, up on our site so people listening can just do one click and pick up the book and I recommend it if you want some really good gay history this is the this is the book to go to um, our guest has been the author the one that put it together and that's Matt Lovers Moore thank you for taking the time to be on the show well thank you so much for having me I had a great time you've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show to find out more about our guests hosts or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 